Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. This podcast does contain occasional strong language and adult themes. If you are averse to spoilers for the film that is listed in the title, please tune out now, go watch the movie, or, like us, stop at the intermission, watch the movie, and resume the podcast after. Thanks for coming along on this ride with us. Please enjoy. You once said that uh, you like to make an audience scream through technical means. What is it about an audience screaming that you like? Now, those are the kind of questions uh, that the film buffs like to ask. They expect an awful lot of the sort of material that I don't tell anybody. And it was a nightmare. It was an eye-opener. Ignorance. Sheer ignorance. You know, there's no confidence to equal it. I don't have any problem with enjoying a big blockbuster. I'm not a fascist of those boring art movies which when they are over you are glad that they are over and then you celebrate it just as a kind of a superstitious measure i will talk about it so that i don't have to see it again or whatever so in a way our our broadcast was an assault on the uh, credibility of that machine we wanted people to understand that they shouldn't take any opinion pre-digested and they shouldn't swallow everything that came through the tap we had uh, Orson Welles, Albert Hitchcock, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Roman Polanski. We had uh, Antonioni. We did, it was unbelievable time to listen to these guys talk. Hello and welcome to the Movies We've Never Seen podcast. Uh, this is your host, Mike, and with me today is my good friend, Alex. Alex, how you doing? Uh, not too bad. Enjoying the day. I am also. It's a nondescript day with some clouds, maybe rain, and maybe other weather. But today, we're not talking about the weather. We are going to be talking about movies. I'm going to read you a little description of this movie that I have, based on just the title alone. Uh, a screwball comedy... Uh, where Earth, Wind, and Fire search for new members uh, in the future and inadvertently stumble onto a plot to destroy the universe. If, uh, I, if I read that to you, uh, what movie do you think it would be, if not having any knowledge of you know, what this movie is that we're talking about? I, I would say that somebody got paid a lot of money to do a very strange uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire biopic. Uh, I, I am a fan of musical biopics, but... I've never seen like a fictionalized. As one far as I'm aware, this might actually be a Earth, Wind, and Fire biopic because it's the Fifth Element. That's what we're talking about today. All right. uh, but before we get started, uh, I wanted to go over with you, and I'll kind of give mine here too, just sort of to show your, I guess, where you come from, where your top three favorite movies are right now, or what they are of all time. I'll go first. I'm going to tell you right now in order. Uh, it is number one, Casablanca. Number two. Uh, Old Boy and number three, Mad Max Fury Road. So Ooh, that's yes. for me, y- you gotta have it's that sort of nestling of all of those like action and comedy and romance. I think they all have it. Old Boy has all of those things, but it's a little bit questionable <laughs> whether it has romance <laughs> or not. Uh, uh, it does, I remember but the romance, but uh, it's it's a very strange romance. It's yes, um, it takes a very edible turn at yes. the end, or I guess Electra. I don't know. Uh, either way, we'll accept yeah, it. I can I can never remember which one's which. Uh, very, very Greek in the end. It gets very Greek. Uh, <laughs> so, so you, uh, top three movies of all time, or if you don't want to be put on the spot, what are your top three movies currently? I will say, in no particular order, top three at the moment are Princess Mononoke, mm-hmm. um, and okay. then Clockwork Orange, and probably Parasite. I have a digital copy of that that I have not watched yet. Oh. Um, it it hits all the right spots for me, just like, you know, because I mentioned Old Boy. Yeah. I, I love Korean cinema. Yeah. It's I have a lot of blind spots, which is why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to get back into watching movies again. But Korean films, I've always kind of tried to keep up with. Yeah. But Parasite, like, I have a digital copy of it. I don't, like, I went out, got it. I just haven't watched it yet. I haven't sat down and taken the time. Uh, that's what having kids does. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but that is one that I want to see, and I'm glad to hear that you think it's good. It's absolutely fantastic. I truly love it. Uh, who's that? That's uh, Bong Joon Hoon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because he did uh, he did the host and Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Yeah. yeah. I I also haven't seen Snowpiercer, but I have seen the host, which is that's phenomenal. Good one. Yeah. Yeah. Snowpiercer is also a good one. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Fifth Element. Neither of us have seen it. So first, because that's the case, I want to start off with a little bit of 
trivia. This is stuff that I that's easily you know, found on IMDb. I'm not a person who cares about spoilers, generally speaking. I'll watch a movie even if I know everything about it. Yeah. And sometimes it helps me out. Like, I know what it's about. I'll love it. Sometimes, eh, not so much. But, you know, it depends on the movie itself. So, first question here. What is the state slogan printed on all the license plates of the flying cars in the movie? Is it A, New York, the bug apple? B, New York, the cavity search state? Or C, New York, the fuck you state. Hmm. I you know the the cavity search state. That seems if that is it. That is that is very, I guess, uh, prescient. Um, <laughs> considering current year. <laughs> considering current year. Yeah. Consider what? Uh, when did this movie come out? This, uh, was, this was 1997. 97. Wow, that would have been like. like uh, and it's C- actually a French film by Luc oh. Besson. So oh. well, it's. It was, uh, and, and again, a little piece of trivia. This was the, at the time, I believe it was the uh, most expensive movie to not be made in Hollywood oh, ever okay. at the time. Yeah. Um, because of the special effects and whatnot yeah. and the, the big name actors and stuff like that. But Luc Besson, who is the director, mm. did not actually make this movie uh, in, like, through the Hollywood channels. So okay. technically, yeah, I guess... It would be a an outsider looking in sort of thing, which yeah. could be again very prescient. <laughs> yeah, if that's the one you go with, that's wrong. Uh, it's C, New York, the fuck you state. Also very very accurate. It 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 is. You know, no matter what your thoughts are on New York, uh, I mean, you know, it's like that that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to New York and he just doesn't want to go, and then he just has an awful time. Like one of the classic episodes. Yeah. It's. You know, as great as New York may be, there's a lot of shit there that there's, you just don't want to deal with. It's a New York is a real mixed bag. Having been there several times uh, since Benny's got family there, I I love and hate New York at the same time. Yeah, I've I've never been downtown. I've been very close to flirting with some of like the surrounding boroughs, uh, driving past, but I've never been to it. Question two: uh, What actor? voiced the character Finger, but never got a credit for it. So this is a, again, we know nothing about this movie. I don't know who the character Finger is, uh, and I didn't look it up because, you know what, whatever, we're going to watch the movie and then see what we think about it. So we can look for this uh, and listen to it. But it was an uncredited voice acting line uh, for the character Finger. Was it A, Dave Bautista, B, Vin Diesel, or C, Dwayne the Rockhard Johnson? 97 I I don't think Batista was very big. You're putting way more thought into this I, than you know, I, I did might, when writing the question. I you know weirdly I I have a lot of knowledge about WWE. <laughs> actually it may have still it may have still been WWF at the time. I don't remember I, when they I think you're actually right because I had a lot of friends who were into it more so than me. So I kind of got a, a little bit secondhand. I think you're right, actually, that 97 would have been a little bit early for Batista. Yeah. So with my cursory knowledge of WWE or WWF at the time, which I think it was. Yeah. But anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, The Rock. I do, I do know um, what's this Vin Diesel was doing. He had the, the Street Sharks commercial. That was out around that same time. Your obscure knowledge of pop culture never ceases to amaze me. (laughs) I haven't thought of the Street Sharks in so long. You're welcome. I'm glad I can bring this back to you. Yeah, see, this is what I've... uh, All the knowledge I accumulated in college from my classes, I've I've deleted all of that from my mind and replaced it with, uh, with just really random pop culture factoids i mean to be honest like i haven't done that wholesale yet but i think i'm probably going to get there especially with this podcast now (laughs) yeah it's uh look forward to that one yeah uh so anyway uh you're going with the rock i'm gonna go with the rock uh it was actually vin diesel it was vin diesel oh okay it was vin diesel uh he voiced the character of finger so that's one thing we'll have to look out for when we actually watch the movie basically uh he was uncredited i think they have since put his name in there uh, Mm -hmm. on the imdb page um, but this is where I, I mean, all the trivia basically just going through like the, Hey, did you know section of IMDb? And this was like 
oh, that's interesting. Vin Diesel got un- like an uncredited spot. Like, I wonder how big, because now I'll be like looking for this character. Like, how big is this character? Like, is this like, uh, it must be like one or two voice lines for yeah. him to be uncredited. I mean, he, he does a lot more voice acting roles than I think, because he does, he did the, he did, the street, Groot, he, did, he did Groot and he did the Street Shark stuff. Because I think he did voice acting for that, not yeah. live. Uh, and then I think he was in a few other, if I remember right, a few other like TV shows around like the yeah. early 2000s. I want to say he was in Ninja Turtles for some reason, too. Oh, all right. I don't know if that's a fact, but I, I'm strongly inclined to say that he did. Okay. Or at least in some version of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, because this would have been a few years before the first Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. Which was really his like blowing up point. Yeah, that's when he that's when he got big. So, anyway, uh, yeah, no, oh man, you're 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 o for two here, uh, unfortunately. According to Luke Basson, uh, how many women did Mila Jovovich beat out for the uh, in the auditions to get the to get the part of Lilu? Was it a thirty, b three hundred, or c three thousand? I'm going to go with 3,000 just so I can start calling uh, Miss Djokovic Miss 3,000. You are absolutely right. It was 3,000. Wow. All right. I, so that also is one of these things where I'm like, I just, I, I can't even imagine. Allegedly, when they were when they were doing this, like, he got Gary Oldman immediately. Yeah. Because Gary Oldman knew him. They were friends. He got Bruce Willis. Like, he was like, I really want Bruce Willis to be the cab driver uh, in this movie and the protagonist. And Bruce Willis, he got him to sit down, watch this, you know, look at the script. And Bruce Willis was like, yeah, I'm, I'm in 100%. But like this, like 3,000, even though he wasn't like doing auditions for a lot of the other big name characters, I can't even imagine sitting through 3,000 auditions. That's got to that be a like. slog fest. It has to be. I And that that's, I'm going to have to look. Like, when I do more, you know, when, as we do more of these, like, is this, like, unprecedented or is this, like, a normal thing? Because yeah. it can't be. It can't be yeah. normal. Well, I wonder if it's almost like uh, American Idol where you've got, like, preliminary interviews and they, they have other people weeding them out, like, lower cast. That makes more sense now that you say it. And I don't know why my dumbass didn't think of that, too. Because I imagine, like, yeah, it's not Luke Basson just, like, 3,000. All right, you got 3,000 chicks lined up? Bring them all in. Uh, <laughs> like, he just wasn't sitting there, like, one after another. Let's go. I imagine you're, again, probably right on that one. So, yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're, uh, uh, you're getting better on this. We got one more question. Uh, this one, this one's a fun one. Gary Oldman modeled his character Zorg off of a combo of what politician and what cartoon character? So it is either A, Ronald Reagan and Yakko from the Animaniacs, B, Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny, or C, Newt Gingrich and Roger Rabbit. Oh, I'm going to go with uh, old Newt and Roger. Old Newton Roger. Unfortunately, it's wrong. It was Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. Ross Perot and Bugs Bunny. All yeah. Right. Like, I, I haven't seen the, the, the movie, but I've seen enough, like, sort of stuff surrounding yeah. it to know that his yeah. character is so manic and crazy. I haven't seen, like, because I can get the Bugs Bunny. I could get any of those cartoon characters because he does, like, seem to play it like a cartoon character. And and and, and honestly, Oldman, as much as, as much as I respect him as an actor, he kind of does kind of play up a lot of those, like, manic characters like that where... Yeah. It's, like, weird, because you feel like... I feel like he's such a respected actor, but at the same time, like... No, he does a lot of crazy shit. Yeah, He's crazier than we assume he is. And... But I'm going to be looking forward to the Ross Perot, uh, you know, angle of that, because, you know, Ross Perot is just a funny politician. Yeah. Like, I mean, Ross Perot, he was a little bit before my time, before I became politically aware, quote-unquote. But, like, the memes of the time, as as it were... Uh, as they existed at v- that time, vintage memes. The vintage, like this is like this is like prehistory memes of Ross Perot within the American consciousness. Pre I has cheeseburger. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, they still permeate to this day where people will be like, Oh yeah, Ross Perot. Yeah, he's a fucking joke. 
and I kind of want to see where they take where he where Oldman takes this. Uh, but but yeah, so that that's 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 all the trivia that I've got. Um, all right. What are your thoughts on the movie? Like, what do you what do you know about this movie? Like in general, because I just kind of want to know like what your thoughts are on it. Because I don't know that I have my own thoughts on this. To me, and I don't want to get too into what I think about it, because I want to hear what you your thoughts are, because I feel like you're maybe more plugged into the fifth element. It was, it was one of those things that was on my radar. I like sci-fi, and I like all the actors involved, but I've never seen it. And I like Luc Besson, like I, I've, you know, uh, it, which is funny to say, because I've seen... Uh, I don't remember what it was now because he did Leon the Professional. Mm. I've only actually ever seen that on like TV, so I'm probably going to do an episode about it at some point. Yeah, because I need to see the whole damn movie because obviously the TV edit's not going to have everything. But what are your thoughts on the Fifth Element? Uh, I like you said. I I really like all the actors in it. Uh, Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman. Uh, well, really mostly those two. <laughs> <laughs> no, no love for Mila Jovovich. I. I could not tell you another movie that she is in. Uh, every Resident Evil film? Oh, yes. That is... I, <laughs> I you know, um, I've, I've only seen the first one. I'm going to have to do a Resident Evil uh, watching. At least Resident Evil... And I'm trying to think of which one. So, two... Okay. Minor tangent here. Yeah. So, Resident Evil 2... It's like, one, it, it's a good it's a good baseline. Because it's very faithful, from what I hear, to the, to the games I've never played. Uh, but it's very faithful. It's a good horror film. Uh, Resident Evil 2, it kind of takes it and expands on it, but it gets really weird because they add all these things that they never explain. But then they just start going off the rails because then they're like, oh yeah, you know how we did with 2 where we just never told you about all these things that we add? 3 is like, oh yeah, we've taken out every character, but now we're in a desert for some reason. And there's like some weird desert laboratory. And then 4... Uh, I actually saw in theaters uh, in the 3D release. Nice. Uh, which was extremely cool. There were some very cool 3D scenes in that. I actually haven't seen the fifth one, uh, which I really want to. But they're, mind, they're kind of like mindless zombie films. But with like, if you if you have any kind of knowledge of the games, which I don't, I enjoy them for just purely as almost like, I guess the... I don't want to be unfair with this, but I use this in a loving way, trash cinema, yeah. right? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, the the production values might be great, but the, you know, the story might not be like, oh, it's not great. It's just this inane sort of thing to, you know, like sell merch in movies and popcorn, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with a movie doing that. Uh, and that's how I feel about most of the Resident Evils. Um, I think one... To me, if I were going to go back and watch any of them out of the four that I've seen, that would probably be, I would probably put them in the order of, I'd probably see three and four, and then one, then two. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. So anyway, minor tangent there yeah. on Mila Jovovich. Um, she also does, um, uh, like, has a, like a couple albums. Oh, okay. Yeah, where she does like weird, like, weird pop rock music. Like, that's super obscure, and it's slightly operatic, too. It's just bizarre. Um, you know, if you're ever in the mood for something weird, I would recommend listening to it. It's not always for me, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Minor tangent aside. Yeah. yeah, Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, love them both. One, one weird thing is I always, in my mind, I think about Gary Oldman's character, and mentally I replace his face with Aiden Gillian's. For, for whatever reason <laughs> i know it's not him but i always just like i close my eyes i picture his character and i think of aiden gillian's face and i don't know why i do that with some other and i can't think of it off the top of my head i do that with some other actor from a specific movie and i want to say it's like kevin spacey from something and i always mix kevin spacey from a specific film with someone else but without seeing it i couldn't tell you yeah yeah. Who, who it is so that's not weird uh but aiden gillian eh, that's mm, well that's not that weird i guess for for his character like now thinking of like what his character's face looks like um in the fifth element yeah i guess it's not weird yeah from what i know is that of this and this is kind of where i wanted to take this people kind of seem to either love it or hate it sort of vibe if i remember right when i was looking through all this trivia basically the whole thing with it was is that people thought that this was you know hey this is going to be 
it, well, like especially at cons, like the like the um, when it was shown there because that's where it debuted. Mm. Uh, it was like, oh, this is garbage cinema. The characters aren't believable. It's schlocky. It's bad. And then other people were like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's revolutionary. It's a great take on sci-fi. So, and a lot of people that I know, um, some of my friends, kind of the general opinion was it was a um, the acting is great, but everything else and the special effects are great. But the plot is something that it's like one of those so bad it's good films. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might spin us off into a kind of like we we talked about a little bit, or at least I ranted about with Resident Evil, like the concept of it's so good, it's it's so bad, it's good sort yeah. of thing. My my general thought on it, I'm somewhat of an elitist on movies, but also I'm somewhat of a if you like a movie, great. So I kind of come down on both sides of the fence on this, and I don't really know where I stand. I think that you can have a film that does have great elements, and you can really some people can really enjoy it because at the end of the day, a lot of it's kind of subjective. Yeah. But there are some movies that are just horrendous, and no one should ever watch. <laughs> and I feel like this can't be a movie like that. But I know that it has a very split opinion because I have heard people say that it's just the worst movie they've ever seen. Now. That may be colored by, oh, I've seen other Luc Besson films and I've seen other Gary Oldman or uh, Bruce Willis films and this is garbage comparatively. So they might be comparing it unfairly to something, but I I don't know. It, it, it just seems to me like it can't be as bad as some people think, but it can't be quite as good as other people seem to say it is because it, it does have a cult following. And I'm, you know me, I'm all about those cult films. I you know, Trust me, yeah, talking about like so bad it's good, I... I really love, I mean, like, Troll 2, The Room. Oh, God. Um, yeah, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I've I've seen Rocky Horror Picture Show in theaters, no joke, probably close to 200 times. That's insane. Do you get dressed up for it? I have, I mean, I've gone in costume, like, not as any of the characters, but I've, I've gone in, like, other costumes. Okay. Well, see, that was my specific question. You go in costume of the characters. I've gone, I have gone once uh, in a Lost Boys costume. Oh, that was pretty good. I want to say that when I, so I went twice, um, both of the times at Ball State uh, when I was up there, because they did a, you know, they did this every year at the theater up there. Um, And I went twice. And I think one year, I didn't go as one of the Lost Boys, but I did go as a, as a not generic vampire. Uh, well, I guess specifically, no. I, I went one year because I had I kind of had the same, like, because I had the, the fake fang. So I'm like, I'm a lazy college student. I'm not going to get put too much effort into it. One year I went as a punk vampire, and the other year I went as actually just Bella Lugosi <laughs> vampire. So I went both times as a vampire, now that you mention it. <laughs> it works, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of vampire vibes to that movie. There, there really are. I mean, there's a lot of sucking going on. <laughs> sucking something. <laughs> uh, but yes, there's a lot of sucking, so the parallels are there. Um, yeah, no, I, I get you, man. Um, I I think that it's not going to be as as good as, as other cult films that I really enjoy, um, just for the simple fact that it's... <sighs> It feels too schlocky to me. Mm-hmm. And as much as I like schlock, you know, like kind of on that other end where you were talking about Troll 2 and stuff like that, yeah. I really like those as fun sort of like little like movies. But I feel like this could really be truly like in the vein of like, you know, any Tarantino flick or or like, you know, other like cult films of, of that ilk where it's like, yeah, this is just really like it's good, but it, you know, gets this bad rap because X, Y, and Z or it's not marketable. I get the feeling that it's probably going to underwhelm me a little bit from that aspect. But I don't think it's going to disappoint me, is yeah. is going to be the thing. I think I'm going to enjoy it. So with that, I think I'm going to give, preemptively, before I see it, uh, I think I'm going to give The Fifth Element a, a solid three and a half Snake Pliskins out of five. And that's I think that's where I'm going to come down on it. I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts on what you think you're going to feel about this movie, based I, on just what you know about it? I'm, I'm going to come down as a two. Two, two snake pliskins. Two out of five snake pliskins. Okay, what, what, what kind of drives you down to that two? So, I I know, and the reason I've never seen this movie is I know that in the end the fifth element is love, and I fucking hate 
that trope. Like, <laughs> like, oh, the fifth element was the friends we made along the way. Fuck, fuck that. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but now that you mention it, that was kind of like the thing that I feel like was a lot of the schlockiness of it, where the ending was just like, it, it was like, oh yeah, this is great, and now like we've completely just borped it. Yeah. Um, however... I, I have a five-year-old daughter, uh, and I've seen enough My Little Pony to know that friendship is magic, in fact. And so that whole trope doesn't bother me as much anymore, having that kind of crammed down my throat and kind of accepting it as a mainstream, like, sort of plot hook for a lot of things. I think I will be more tolerant of that than you will, mm-hmm. um, just simply because of, like, what I'm exposed to. But I 100% get where you're coming from, because it, I think it just depends on how they get to that point, Right. Because if, for me, and this is what I think, knowing sort of enough about it to kind of know the general plot and, like, you know, Fifth Element's Love, yeah. whatever, blah. Um, it's 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 not, you know, Earth, Wind, Fire, uh, you know, uh, and then fucking dark outer worlds, you know, outer... <laughs> Uh, outer Eldritch space ma- magic. Eldritch magic. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not that. Um, but in in this context, I feel like how they get to that point is going to be very important for me. Um, I get the feeling that for me, and that's why I bring it up to a 3.5, and I might revise that to maybe a 3, um, but I'm going to stick with a 3.5. That's my initial re- gut reaction to this. Um, because I tend to be more favorable once I've seen something to yeah. kind of like give it a little bit of a pass, unless it's just awful. Um that uh, if they get there in a decent enough way, it's not going to matter so much because I've seen the trope. Yeah, it can get old, but like, whatever. That's yeah. kind of my thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I've I've watched a lot of media where, like, you know, the French, friendship is magic and love was the secret power the whole time. I mean, like, that was the end of Harry Potter. <laughs> so I I appreciate that. I guess in certain mediums. So, like, I'll give a pass to, like, Harry Potter. Uh, I really love Steven Universe. And uh, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of that, that that kind of trope comes through. But I guess the difference for me is, like, I think of those as, like, media that's sort of geared more towards children. And I think, I think anybody of any age can watch and appreciate anything if that's what they're into. Yeah. But I'm willing to give certain things a pass because it is initially geared towards children, whereas I I guess I'm not as forgiving of that trope. In Especially adult. when it's got, you know, the director's Luke Basson and it's got Bruce Willis and Gary Oldman in it. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I completely get that. Uh I like that. That's a that's a very well thought out good take. Um and yeah. Uh, I I could be I could be surprised and hate the way they get there too. I, I don't know, but uh, that remains to be seen. Which we're actually going to go do that right now. Uh-huh. And after we watch the movie, we'll be back to tell you guys what we really think of this movie and how it stacked up to what we thought. Be right back. Wait, not really. Mr. Zorg would like to talk to you. M- Mr. Who? Mr. Zorg. Jean Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg.
Hello and welcome back. I am joined by my good friend Alex here, and we just watched The Fifth Element, the 1997 Luc Besson film. So, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, we, you, you were you were coming in at a solid two out of five on this one. Was your thoughts? Uh, I was coming in at a three and a half out of five. I know for my from my perspective, I think mine definitely went up. Uh, yeah, it, it it definitely went up for me as well. I really really enjoyed this film and i think thinking on it and i knew that one of your qualms with it was like oh yes love is the answer all along mm-hmm. like that whole shtick i think that they did it in a very good way yes i i will agree you know i my my final thought on this is i i feel like if i had seen this movie when i was younger i i would be one of those people that is like ride or die for this movie i think i'm a bit old and i've missed that boat at this point but like i definitely see why people love this movie so much yeah i i would agree it's not in my pantheon of like cult films i think i think it's just on it's on the fringe for me right like if if someone's like i really want like a good cult film yada 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 but they told me like i really want something kind of like maybe a little cheesy maybe a little sci-fi like you know what I got you, fam. Like, it's yeah. it's the fifth element. Like, don't... It, it wouldn't be in my top, top tier list of, of cult films. But, I, like I said, it's very close, I think, after watching it. Um, I really liked a lot of what they did here. And I think the reason, and the more I think about it, is that I think this was a... Maybe a... Like a... Like Luc Besson's version of a screwball comedy. Okay. Which is... To say, like, if this movie was starring, you know, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, yeah, I think it would have been basically the same film. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, it, it had that weird goofiness that you would have, like, where, you know, all right, we've got the screwball comedy where there's a bunch of implausible things happening to these relatively normal people, right? Um, and I say relatively normal uh, as, you know, Nothing in this movie is relatively yes. normal, but for, I guess... For the for the world. For the world, relatively normal people. But you've got all that, and, and then you just have these series of events that kind of are seemingly like, you're not sure if they're, if there are movers and shakers happening behind this, or if it's just dumb luck, or if it's like, you know, was Bruce Willis destined to be this, this last key, the whole, or, or the the person to ignite this last key the whole time or was it like just dumb luck that he had like happened upon it and if he wasn't there none of this would have happened like that sort of deal because that's the whole crux of this is that like she's clearly like the other stone you have to activate them with whatever their element is at the end to send away the big evil thing um i guess maybe the devil or whatever (laughs) whatever it is satan but it's love and like you know hey you you've got to put water on the water stone you got to put fire on the fire stone you have to put air on the air stone you know earth on the sandstone all basic shit what are you gonna do if if the if there's no actual love there on that love stone baby uh it's a little old place where we can get together um i, no, I got, got me a chrysler it's as big as a whale <laughs> thank you thank you for picking up what i was I, putting down I got you B-52's references aside, I I really liked it, and I think that it was, there was a really good sort of, like, that screwball, like, we're doing funny shit, but it's all really serious, because the world is literally going to end. Mm. Which, it was good. But I want to hear your thoughts on it, because I've been rambling. Um, if there was anything that you had sort of a, a major takeaway on this one, or, or why why the swing? I, I loved all the characters. You know, somehow, like, I... I knew about, like, the multi-pass meme. People had made that reference to me before, and I didn't really, like, I knew it was a thing in there. And, like, I thought it was going to, like, grate on my nerves, but, like, I, Mila Djokovic, like, delivered it so perfectly. I, it was, it was ingratiating. I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I just, I loved the characters. They had so much fun. Um... What Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod was <laughs> far and away my favorite part of the movie. I really liked Chris Tucker's Ruby Rod. And, you know, it, it's really funny. In my mind, I was making this comparison. Uh, like, I guess maybe it's just me. People like Ruby Rod, but, like, 
they're some of the same people who like shit on Jar Jar Binks. For me, I guess it's a little bit different of a character, but it's still that same over the top kind of. He might not all be there. He's kind of a little retarded, <laughs> uh, like sort of deal. But he has this weird charism that you can't like deny. And Jar Jar, even though people hate him, he still has that weird like. He's still like kids like him. Like in as George Lucas has said, it's a kids movie. But like it, it's weird. It's kind of that same sort of feel for me. Uh, and it's weird to see people like love one and bash the other. Uh, I can see why they do. Now that's just my mind going that direction. But yeah, Ruby Rod, surprisingly, I thought he was going to grade on me. Just like the whole like multi pass thing. I'm like, I've seen the clips. Everyone's seen the clips of Ruby Rod doing his thing. I'm like, no, nah, this is going to be bad. I'm not going to like it. It really was fun and good. And he had a complex character that really yeah. was just like it wasn't what was presented at face value. Like, the same thing with every like, Ian Holmes' um, Father Cornelius. Yeah. He had this really good, like, arc with his character. It was just sort of like, it was, and even, none of these character arcs are, like, big arcs. They're just kind of, like, like slices of their life. Mila Jovovich, like, perfect. Like, it couldn't have been better. Uh, Gary Oldman as Zorg might have been my favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him, I, he is right behind Ruby Rod for me. I just loved him, just... Chewing the crap out of the scenery. He was, I think, if he wasn't in that movie, it would have still been a good movie, but boy, would have suffered for it. Yeah. If Gary Oldman did not play Zorg the way he was. And I know, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, in when I was looking up this movie, a lot of people hate Zorg for that reason. Because he is just so over the top and weird. He doesn't feel like corporate evil sort of thing. Which is funny because I feel like... And this is my take on it. I don't know if this is actually Luc Besson, because Luc Besson is French, right? Hmm. I think that Zorg was, is his caricature of an American corporatist. Yeah. And he's got the whole, like, like sort of southern accent a little bit, uh, yeah. kind of coming through, bleeding. And, you know, he gets a little bit angry about stuff, but he's like, you know, keeps his calm. I think that that's probably what that was. And I think that, honestly, he really hit the nail on the head with that, like, American corporatism sort of, like, maybe they're kind of evil, maybe they're not. I don't know. He Zorg, ran, Zorg walked so that Handsome Jack could run. <laughs> yes. I love that comparison. I never thought about that. That's That might be why I like Zorg so much, because Handsome Jack, while admittedly all of the for those of you who don't know handsome jack is the villain in borderlands 2 and maybe kind of the villain in the borderlands the pre-sequel eh, debatable but he was such a good villain in that game and the borderlands games up until that point like borderlands 1 didn't have a villain like it was just not really you you kind of had this 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 big group of people who this big group of people from a corporation who were just trying to stop you from getting what you wanted and then it turned out that what you wanted was a giant alien inside of this vault and then you killed it and it vomited a bunch of guns <laughs> that's what i want which, which i do want that but it was it's the same thing zorg yeah zorg and jack are compelling for the same reason they're they're humanized but they're still weird caricatures of this like thing that they are yeah um I think that might be the whole point of everyone's character. They're just weird, extreme caricatures of these weird caricatures. Like Bruce Willis is like the everyman taxi driver. Uh, I guess the only one that wouldn't really be is Mila Jovovich because she's yeah. an alien. Yeah. Father Cornelius, the same way. The president. Uh, yes. President. Um, God, I don't remember his name now. I, I can't remember his uh, name either. He's, he's honestly probably the second best president in any film right behind President Camacho. Yeah, all right, I'll buy that, yeah. <laughs> like, if they were on a ticket together, that'd be the dream ticket. Yes. Like, but yeah, I, it was so good. And it surprised me. Yeah, I, I, I really, I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to even think of, like, many negative things to really say about it, to be honest. Like, I think that there were, like, from just a, a standpoint of visuals, it was really good. Like, it, it had, it captured that sort of, like, futuristic cyberpunk dystopia very well. Uh, in the 
we've got all these lights and colors and distractions, but everybody's day to day is just this grimy slog. It did that perfectly. It, my, the pacing was a little off for me, especially the first half of it. It just felt like, okay, this is weird. It's not really getting to where it needs to be. Uh, and then a lot of that was by the time, like, until, like, really Mila Jovovich shows up, it's, even that's a little bit tenuous, but, like, by the time Ruby Rod hits, the pace, like, just goes full stride at that point. Yeah. I think that's the only thing. Uh, my other real big problem with it was it didn't feel climactic to me. It felt like, yes, you know where yeah. it's going to end up, and you know how this is going to go, and there's no danger that it's not going to. I think that Zorg, his sort of, I guess, ending in the movie was, it felt a little bit lackluster, and I was sad about it. Yeah. But other than that, like, yeah, it, it just felt really good. I think this movie, it may not deserve all of the rabid praise that it gets, but I think that definitely the, the detractors are, I think, really missing the point is that this is more so just a, a screwball comedy that all of the characters are representing sort of ideas and not necessarily characters in and of themselves. Yeah. At least that's my take on it. I don't think that, that you know, like... Oh, it's just a screwball comedy about the wrong guy in the wrong place. No, this is a this is a universal screwball comedy. It's a it's a screwball comedy mythology, <laughs> basically. It's like the Joseph Campbell's like hero's journey of screwball comedies. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, you talked about like the visuals. I'm I'm gonna solidly agree. I I loved the practical effects in this. Yes. I loved I loved that they built sets and they you know, like the uh the the big bulky aliens like in the beginning. I love that they like made suits for them. That was so those reminded me so hard and I, that might be why I like this a lot. It reminded me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Same. Hundred percent same. The uh the, the bl- Blorgons, Blorgons. Uh, uh uh oh god. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna hit myself in the face for not remembering this, but yeah, yeah, it's the uh, the ones the ones you don't want to hear about. You yeah, the ones you don't want to read their poetry. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah, it's like the yeah the super bureaucratic, bulky, big alien dudes. Yeah. Like yeah, it was a lot of it. Did feel like Hitchhiker's Guide. It felt equally I, I absurd. The same vibe. Yes. Yeah. It it felt like a definitely a you know I think this is the perfect way to describe this movie. It's. It's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy meets Die Hard. Yeah. Is what yeah. it is. Or may, maybe not Die Hard as much. Well, I guess, yeah, kind of the spaceship there is kind of like, it's kind of a Nakatomi Plaza feel to it. Yeah. Where they're kind of running around trying to like do this, whatever. I Yeah, I would say it's Die Hard meets Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. If you had, no one had any concept of what this movie was, was at all, that's what I would describe it as. Yeah. I buy that. And I'm, you know, I'm totally here for it. So he, there's not a lot that I can really say because I think really a lot of it, like we were both in agreement, it's really good. I wanted to talk maybe a little bit about this movie of what would you, if you were going to do, and this is this is sort of an on-the-spot question. If you don't have an answer for it, I know I don't either. Um, but I want to throw it out there as sort of a thought experiment because this is sort of a, it's a very unique film, right? It's a very odd film. And it's like I said, it's 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 made by an American studio funded, uh, I believe, but it's also like you know it's got all that sort of French Luc Besson spin to it. It's got a lot of American actors in it. Yeah, I can't put a finger on it, but there there is something distinctly French about it. Yes, I'm not sure what it is. It's but it's there. Je ne sais quoi. Yes, as the as the as the Spanish say. <laughs> um, don't know why you would use a Spanish phrase for this, but whatever. Know. What would you, if you were to do a double feature with this movie, what other movie would you pair it with? Oh, I immediate I, my immediate thought is Hitchhikers. Um, but if I'm not going to go with that, I'm going to say, hmm, I don't know. I really I just part of me wants to just say Hitchhikers. That's that's a pretty solid pick, I think. And the reason I was asking you this is because this movie can go so many ways. It's an action film. It's it's a love story. It's a comedy. Yeah. It really hits all of the marks. I think that probably if I were to throw this out there, the thing that it reminds me of a lot and would be, I think, a good pairing with this to kind of give it a counterbalance uh, would be 
potentially, and I'm going to take it back really far here. Uh, I think that perhaps, and I'd mentioned these two actors previously, uh, a screwball comedy such as Bringing Up Baby with uh, Cary Grant, uh, where they, you know, have like the, like the tiger and stuff and they, they raise it and it's, it's, it's a, it's a great, great film. Uh, or I think that honestly, Hitch, uh, not Hitchhiker's Guide, but um, Hitchcock's, this is a Hitchhiker's Guide, Hitchcock's North by Northwest, because it has a very similar sort of like this guy who's clearly capable, but not necessarily wanting to be in the middle of all of this kind of gets pulled into this romance, pulled into this whole like thing bigger than him. And it has the same core concept to me that um north by northwest has basically with with the fifth element and that's what i would i would say i would i would pair it with p- perhaps because it really is to me if you like boil it down that's what a lot of hitchcock's stuff was too just like luke basson it was this this man who is our lead actor stands for this he's a metaphor the woman is a metaphor this whole plot is a metaphor, but it's taking place on a much grander scale than either of them. And he usually has the suspenseful action of the, per- like, he's got the personal romance and the, the big suspense of the, the overall arching characters. And he's big at, he likes telegraphing a lot of, you know, what he's going to do later on in the film. And I feel like, you know, this movie, Luke Besson, he never, he never really it never felt like you were in danger. He telegraphed the ending. Like it, it is what it is. And it's very similar in the way Hitchcock does it. But instead of, but I think that these would be a good pairing because they're so different visually and thematically that even though you have the same core ideas, you would get a really good idea of, it's a good mouthfeel of this whole like theme where you have, the wrong man, slight screwball comedy, capable, big, big uh, uh, actors in it for the day, of course. Uh, but then you have just like, you know, you're not watching the same movie twice. You've got Fifth Element over here, crazy wacky colors, uh, over-the-top characters like Ruby Rod. And then you've got, you know, over here, the more sober but still funny uh, Cary Grant uh, and and the sort of more like... Uh, Cold War era style almost thriller but with punctuated with a lot of like sort of funny comedic elements and a romance I that 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 was kind of my thought uh, and like I said I, I think I think that this is more uh, in that vein but that that's my thought I don't know if, if I'm just crazy off base with it or if if I'm getting at something no I, I can see that I can see that and I definitely definitely I would appreciate that that double feature uh, before we actually, you know, let's let's rate these. Where do where do we fall at now uh, on uh, how many Snake Pliskins are we giving this movie at this point? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna say four. I'm gonna give it four Snake Pliskins. I would maybe put it up at, and I don't know what's stopping me at this point, frankly, from putting it all the way at like a four and a half. I think I'm gonna go with a solid four because th- there were definitely like some bits, like there were some pacing issues that just kind of hit me a little bit the wrong way, especially towards the beginning. And I think for that reason solely, I think I would maybe give it a four. I think I'm going to move it up from a three and a half to, I'm going to go with my gut and say four and a half. Like I said, it wouldn't necessarily be in my pantheon of all times, uh, cult of all time greatest cult films. It's very close though. And so just for that and the lack of, really the lack of anything really super wrong with this. And I think the, like you said, the, the biggest thing about this was that every single character was done justice to, uh, in, in some way, at least in their portrayal of what they were. And I, I really like that about this movie. So I'm going to go with the, stick it with a four and a half. Yeah. I'll buy that. Cool. Yeah. I, I'd say, I don't know. And this is kind of why I said, I think I would have liked this movie better if I had seen it when I was younger. But I just, I don't know. I guess I'm just a curmudgeon. But I don't, I don't believe the like, like Bruce Willis <laughs> and and I don't, I don't believe that him and Lilu uh, like fell in love. They knew each other for what a handful of days. Like, and again, I'm just, I'm just a curmudgeon. To so. be fair, though, I like, I also like, I hate. I hate that sort of contrived like love at first sight sort of deal yes. thing. 
I think in this case, the reason why I suspended my disbelief on it was that I think they did a good job of setting up Bruce Willis as this sort of, really, he's sort of pathetic and desperate. (laughs) And he, even if it wasn't real love, necessarily like long lasting, like, like they, you know, they, they grew old together sort of love. I think that probably Bruce Willis believed that he was in love. Because of the mental state that they clearly showed him in. And I think Lilu, while... Because she was the the key. She was love, basically. I think she was open to it in a way that most human beings wouldn't. And I think that's why it works here better than... Like, if I'm just going to watch a romantic comedy, I I think it's contrived and dumb. But in this case, I think that most of the time... Yeah, I think it's convincing here. And that's why I think it's a lot better than in, like, a straight-up, like, rom-com. Mm-hmm. Just because of the emphasis that they put on, you know, because of what these characters are, how they built them, and yeah, all that I, junk. Like I said, I get it. I'm I'm giving, I'm fully giving the movie a pass on it, because I know, I know where the movie's trying to go, and I know what the movie is. Um, and like I said, I'm just, I'm just a curmudgeon, so don't pay too much attention to what I think and feel. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm also a curmudgeon, but for for a, a colorful dystopian sci-fi, I generally, you know, I, I won't, I'll be a little bit more lenient too, so. Yeah. I, I'm probably more lenient than I should be on this film, but it was just, it, it struck was, me as It was fun. As I fun and good. I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts before we sign off? Um, go ahead and watch it. Definitely go and watch it. All right, well, with that, we'll talk to you later. We'll see you next time. And I wonder if it really was. I think it was always was show business. I think they were pretending to be factories, and it was still show business. I heard myself speaking these terrible corny lines, and there I was stuck with $350,000 worth of show. And I had to get on somehow. Plus, at the time, oh, they were real jerks. Plus, plus, at the time, really pieces of work. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Plus, plus at the time. Did you see Armageddon? I assure you that I would rather have been shot. I really did, because he was a monster. But they all were, or almost all of them, those guys. He came on as a monster, you know. He snarled at you, like that. Plus, plus at the time. He was a monster. Like that. Plus, plus at the time. I assure you that I would rather have been shot. Follow us on Twitter at MWNS Podcast or contact us at MWNS Podcast at ProtonMail.com. All music used in this episode is produced by Young Carts and used with license.